0: From Cape Town, this is The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM. The Legal Hour with Irsan Higgins.
1: Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Sigh Higgins here once again. Uh, after the leadership hour, we're now just starting with the legal hour. And uh, for those listeners that are just joining us tonight uh, now, Assalamu alaikum, and uh, I hope that you guys will be enjoying the legal hour. I've got my two guests on the line already. Um, good evening, Randall. Good evening, Yachtsan. Always happy to be uh, on, on air with you. i I look happy to visit the Atlantic seaboard. So, um, anyways, thanks for joining us once again, Randall. How's the weather there at the Atlantic seaboard?
2: Uh, uh,
1: of course, as always, uh, it's not beautiful. <laughs> okay, I'm sure it's musty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Um, if if you listen to the program just before this, you know I am advocating for for for, for the homeless and poor people to have houses on the Atlantic seaboard. So uh, yeah, so watch out and watch <laughs> that space.
2: <laughs> as long as
0: they pay the right
2: taxes.
1: <laughs> okay, and uh, then we've got um,
0: Nazir Assalamualaikum the Nazir. Wa alaikum, salam, hassan, and to the listeners of the Voice of the Cape, good evening, Randall. I'm envious I didn't even I wasn't the way you were on the seaboard. <laughs> uh,
1: Nazir, he's envious because you in, in, in Craven B, don't worry. <laughs> the one <laughs> thing, Nazir, well. well, the one thing you have that he doesn't have is that you have community and he he doesn't have the Dakenians and neighbors (laughs) (laughs) so anyway gentlemen thank you very much for agreeing to come on Um, we've got uh, we're gonna in fact you know I was making a vow to myself the other day that I'm not gonna be dealing with COVID related issues anymore Mm. but now we see this spike in COVID related um, you know um, uh, uh, deaths and, and 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 Uh, You know, it it just you know it seems like COVID has now reared its head once again. You know, we thought you know the worst was over, and suddenly it's not and people have been trying to get on with their normal lives people have been going to to the beach people have been going to uh you know to, to visit even though they can't go visit but that is unfortunately you know how the, but now suddenly we see all this new cases of COVID. people being um diagnosed for COVID. Uh, people going into isolation People dying, you know, and we've got, I mean, it's, it's getting worse. So we need to obviously now also as as activists and as lawyers be vigilant in, in giving people the right information. Because a lot of people in their heads, you know, COVID is over, you know, we're now in lockdown level three, which has been relaxed. So people are relaxing but i say you know people can't relax and the reason for that is because the more we don't relax the more cases we will have yeah. so are, are you guys in agreement with that yes
2: okay. uh, I, uh, I think it's time i can pick it up it uh, was always forecast in terms of the computer modeling that the spike uh, in transmissions and infections will occur around about this period uh, july august it was initially as far as as september um so The current cases that you mentioned were uh, were to be expected, uh, and more so particularly with the relaxation um, of the alert level from level 5 to level 4, and recently, at the beginning of this month, to level Mm 3. So uh, the situation that you you sketched uh, was foreseen, and it's an unfortunate outcome of the relaxation of the rule of the regulations, rather. Um, the relaxation of the regulations was, uh, like as you say, some listeners might think that the the virus has gone. The virus is here is, is as, as much as it was uh, at level five. Um, unfortunately, because of uh, economic reasons, uh, uh, there's relaxation of the hard lockdown to allow uh, the economic activity of the country to get going again.
1: Mm. Okay, and Nazir, and, and
0: your comment on that yeah sir I think Randall's spot on there. you know I mean if you look at the stats at the moment, I see how things is slowly but surely creeping up to meeting up for the western threat numbers, and if the stats have anything to go by, I believe they're going to surpass us at some point in time. so the the, the relaxation of the of the regulations pertaining into the economics uh, of the country is one thing, but I think people need to become a little bit more uh, cognizant and aware and alert of the fact that we've, we're going to be in this for at least the next, I would say, 18 months and we're in the spice already, not the winter. They so sound
1: a long. They like, sound a long. Yeah.
0: yeah, no, yeah. If, if, if the experts are anything to believe, then I believe we're going to have it up until 2022 with a couple of waves coming in and out.
1: Hmm. I want to share a, a, a stupid moment quickly with, with yourself and the listener. I, if, if stupid was a person right now, it would have been me. Um, I got here this evening and I opened my laptop. And um, as and of I've got a, a keyboard on my laptop, and as the messages came in of the um, of the radio station, I tried to answer some people, but I'm typing on my laptop, not <laughs> thinking that I should be typing on the keyboard of the. Of the computer, and yeah. I only realized about a minute ago, and I thought, "Yo, I was no stupid, but okay. <laughs> I guess we have the right to be stupid sometimes." So, so to those people that I didn't respond to, I'm sorry. It was because I was being stupid. So, <laughs> yeah, that's
0: so, uh, you, you need us back in studio with
1: you, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I will respond to those people that uh, that ask questions, uh, specific questions, and uh, it's just that when I try to type on my own computer. I just thought didn't but in any case, it's working fine. And hats uh, so, so off to the, our technicians for keeping our studio going properly. Anyway, coming back to the program at hand, Randall, there's yes. been some major developments um, pertaining to smoking and, uh, yes. and the tobacco <laughs> wars. And there was cases won, now cases lost, and the cases that's been postponed. Tell us a little bit about it.
2: Yeah, I think one can forgive the tobacco industry for feeling slightly uh, battered and bruised, or I suppose battered and bruised. Um, uh, after their uh, interaction with government, uh, we know, of course, by now that there was a uh, application by the Fair Trade Tobacco Association, uh, FETA, as they call themselves, which was heard uh, before the Pretoria High Court, where FETA sought to declare... Um, a tobacco product as an essential product um, mm. and the central basis for the argument was that there was in fact no rational basis for banning tobacco products uh, the uh, courts uh, the, uh, the chief uh, judge president in Schlumberg in Pretoria um, didn't see it their way and, and the, the uh, case was dismissed or the application the application was was, was dismissed Mm-hmm. So that, of course, has a knock-on effect uh, to, on, on the, the case before the Western Cape High Court, brought mm-hmm. by British American Tobacco of South Africa, BATSA. Mm. And BATSA uh, brought the, uh, their case where they launched a constitutional challenge to the to the, uh, to the regulations uh, banning tobacco products. And they agreed, uh, or the matter was urgent, was brought on an urgent basis, and government uh, also saw the matter as urgent. The matter was due to be heard on the 30th of June, uh, in fact, last, last week. Um, That's so it then, or rather the government complained that uh, there were new evidence introduced. There is more time to consider it. And uh, while there's uncertainty around what in fact happened, the matter was ultimately postponed uh, for hearing on, on the court's role on the 5th and the 6th of August.
1: Okay, that's, that's a bit long, eh? 5th to 6th of August. Yeah, yeah, particularly for an urgent matter. Yeah, but I mean, I, mean, I, I want to examine that a little bit. Nazir, maybe you can come in because you're used to dealing with urgent applications. Uh, I mean, if a matter is urgent, I mean, on what possible basis does a judge actually allocate it to a month away from where we are now, more than a month?
0: I think, Iksan, what it played out in this particular scenario, and Randall, you can assist me if I'm, if I'm maybe going off fire off here, but as i recall the papers were exchanged from the part of the responders which is now the the ministers and the rest of the government officials and then there was a plea that came in from the state attorney's office whereby they asked that the matter be postponed because there was no feasible or possible way that the matter could be argued with the exchange of late papers as it was and they actually made an application to the judge president of this division to try and postpone the matter and get a directive for the matter to be heard further and he then on that particular request as I understand, it postponed to mm-hmm. August. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, sorry, just to interrupt the, 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 the
2: central issue there was that uh, uh, Calvin complained that Batsa introduced new evidence, they, they, they had new expert evidence, for new matters which was raised uh, in reply, which they didn't have a, tra- a chance to deal with, and, uh, and therefore the matter wasn't right for hearing on the 30th, mm-hmm. the, uh, the anticipated date for the hearing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and for that reason, uh, they, uh, they, they, the matter wasn't right for hearing on, on the 30th, and the, the, the judge present uh, allocated five and or six
1: or. Well, Reynolds, just help me understand which of the parties, I mean, you say the matter wasn't right for hearing. That presupposes that one of the parties, they were not ready to argue.
2: Uh, the government, so government says, uh, look, uh, you, you know that the, the papers are exchanged. And uh, in reply, uh, Batson's reply to, to the government's uh, opposition introduced new evidence, introduced new expert evidence, medical expert reports, mm-hmm. which the government says they didn't have a chance to consider, um, and certainly didn't have a chance to consider in, in that short time period uh, in which to prepare. And they wanted to bring their own, I presume, their own experts to counter uh, Batson's So, experts.
1: So am I to understand... That this matter is going to come down to oral evidence, as opposed to just arguing the matter on the papers.
2: Well, that, that's difficult to say. Um, I, I don't think it's, it's in either part interest to, to, to call for oral evidence, uh, particularly they want the one to matter to be determined on an urgent basis.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, calling in, in experts from from uh, from Europe or era, mm-hmm. from across the sea might be difficult uh, mm-hmm. under the current circumstances. Oh, it's it's
1: foreign uh, experts.
2: Foreign experts. Mm. So uh, I think it's a. Uh, uh, if they want to the matter ventilate sooner rather than later, um, they, they have to deal with it on the papers. Mm, I think... The ma- m- yeah. of course, is that the ban on tobacco products has been enforced for the last three months.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, effectively, by postponing the matter to uh, the, the, the first week in August, the ban will be in effect for at least four months. So mm. the, the tobacco industry is uh, very uh, crying uh, about the fact that uh, essentially... The case is losing, uh, billions of rands. They are losing billions of rands. They're uh, losing billions of rands in the process, and it serves no, one, no one's purpose, um, uh, having a banning force.
1: Yeah, but look, you uh, know, I mean, if you look at now, okay, so now there's been a decision by that other group. Um,
2: Peter.
1: Yeah, so now, I mean, just speak to us. In fact, we're going to go for a quick ad break now, but when we come back, I want you to maybe comment, both of you, on the precedent value of that case that was lost up in Pretoria. And, uh, of course, how it could potentially affect this case down in the Cape. So, after the break, we'll deal with that.
0: The Legal Hour with
1: And we're back with the Legal Hour. I've got Nazir Park, uh, attorney, and I've got Randall uh, Titus attorney, both on the line. Nazir, I was asking the question just before we went for a break.
0: Yeah, Hashan, you asked the question of uh, whether or not this decision in the Gauteng in mm. would set got, the president for yes. the case coming up in August. Mm-hmm. Man, Gershan, I think, you know, when, when one looks at decisions as made in the High Court, ultimately it's a development of law. Mm -hmm. And where certain questions are posed and certain answers are given in the court, the other courts have a duty to take note of it. And if you look at the judgment of the FETA case, Mm -hmm. it's a reportable judgment and it's actually marked as well as having interest on other judges, which I imagine whoever's going to be dealing with the matter in Cape Town would also then have to consider. So it is a precedent that is being formed, but it's not necessarily saying that that thinking of that particular judge must be applied in this matter because the facts might... Might differ somewhat. Mm.
2: And your comment on it, Randall?
0: Andrew uh, 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 is quite quite
2: correct. You see, the, the central issue of the of the FETA case is that uh, the the court there found that there's a rational basis uh, for the for the banning of the tobacco products. A, the, the ban was procedurally rational, mm-hmm. and that immediately makes the constitutional challenge, perhaps uh, uh, constitutional challenge in the Western Cape High Court, very difficult. Um, to sustain. So, uh, I understand that the the CETA uh, organization they considering their options, um, whether to uh, what they're going to do. It seems that they might uh, note an appeal against uh, the the judgment in Pretoria. Um, and of course, once that happens, uh, the, the judgment is suspended uh, pending the, the appeal. Mm. Mm. And, that, and that might just give uh, the better the tickets, uh, an opportunity in, in the Western
1: Cape. I think this is the first time that lawyers are so baffled about the law because we don't actually quite understand uh, what comes next. You know, you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, we might be said we might be anticipating now a case in the you know in the, in the Cape High Court, and the next thing is the things get unbanned and then of course then there's, then there, then there's no more case and um, I mean we we saw it in a few of the other um, you know cases uh, on the one hand a case gets lost and the next day the the change gets made I mean if you look at the um, there was the hairdresser case
0: yeah yeah I shan't agree with you if you look at it I mean we don't know when we're going to go down to alert level 2 and perhaps when it comes to a level two, the government and uh, the National Council, Coronavirus Council might decide that, you know, now we can actually start implementing the tobacco again. Um, mm. So you're quite right, spot on. It's, it changes all the time, and one never knows when the case will actually lose its momentum.
1: Yeah. And then, of course, I mean, Randall, you are connected to, you sit on the board of Red Cross, is that correct?
2: Uh, on the, on the Children's Hospital Trust.
1: Yes, and the uh, children uh, Hospital Trust, okay? And I, t- I take it that is Red Cross. Yes, uh, the trust is, is the uh, official fundraiser
2: for the
1: hospital. Mm, okay, now, uh, what concerns me is, I mean, we spoke last week about alcohol and, of course, how alcohol actually uh, exacerbates, you know, the situation, especially at the hospitals um, where trauma admissions in South African hospitals have surged since the the, the ban was lifted. I mean, uh, there's stats pertaining to that. I mean, we've got like something like 25,000 liquor stores and 65,000 bars and restaurants that sell alcohol. I mean, that, that makes for a lot of places where, where alcohol is available. Now, has this had, is it true, then what we read, that there has been a, a greater need now for trauma beds to deal with alcohol-related incidents, as opposed to you know people that that that's contracted uh, COVID-19.
2: Uh, I mean, uh, I'd rather not uh, um, categorise uh, uh, The increase in, in trauma uh, cases to alcohol itself. Mm. What I can say is this: uh, during the hard lockdown uh, under level five, um, uh, uh, or rather since level five, the the increase in cases before the uh, at hospital trauma cases
1: mm-hmm. and the
2: like have increased. So, so, so it, it has increased? has increased since level four, level five rather, and again uh, since reduction to level four, and then since then to level three. So, uh, and that could be, the increase could be for a number of reasons. One could be that there's increased uh, activity, increased uh, movement of people. Um, previously, uh, we were confined to our respective homes, and now now less so. Um, so it could be any number of, of a bouquet of reasons mm. why there's an increase in, in trauma cases.
1: So you say I'm, a uh, bi- I'm being a bit harsh by saying it's a direct result of alcohol now being uh, Look, I, available. I'm
2: sure, I'm sure alcohol plays a uh, uh, part, uh, no doubt, uh, um, but it, it, it's one of, 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 of a
1: number of other factors. Uh, uh, mm. I, I would suspect. Nazir, uh, that is Randall's opinion. He sounds like a lawyer. Uh, he's being <laughs> he's being diplomatic, which I don't. Uh, yeah, if I was a judge, I would actually uh, kick him out of the, the court <laughs> um, because okay. he's not answering the question. He's, he's skirting around the issue. What is your view on it? <laughs>
0: It's kind difficult to say. I, I think I'm probably going to sound like a lawyer now myself, but it's difficult to pin the the increase in the infections and the and the increase for demand of of, of facilities based on the lifting of the alcohol ban. Maybe it's a contributing factor in that you know people become a little bit more negligent when they are intoxicated, uh, mm-hmm. and that could lead to you know the lack of of adherence to the regulations. Um, but, you know, as, a, as a, from a technical point of view, I don't suppose I can I can pinpoint it to that and, and, and focus it on the alcohol. No. But, you know what, At, uh, from a realistic perspective, possibly there is a, it, it could be a contributing factor. I, I don't think we can discard it as such.
1: Mm. Well, it's fine. I think, I think people may need to be aware of this thing. I mean, it's there. I mean, uh, cigarettes are still banned. Alcohol has been unbanned. And, of course, uh, you know, we, we, we need to save lives, and I think. Uh, and I'm hoping that the, the authorities or people that are on the command council or the cabinet uh, t- are taking due note of these things. But let's look at, uh, at, at, at some of the lockdown changes that have been announced. Um, one is I believe now that people can go to restaurants, uh, sit down the restaurants, people don't have yeah. to stand and eat anymore.
2: Yes, no, and, and while we were on the alcohol issue, um, <laughs> well, what they can do, while they can go to the restaurant, uh, they can't have, uh, have alcohol with their meal. Yeah. And uh, yeah. as you might have heard now, uh, uh, many of the restaurants, uh, uh, and this is an anecdotally, are uh, saying they're not going to open because uh, it's be cost effective for them to do so uh, without alcohol. Um,
1: being allowed to serve alcohol, but all the I understand. I mean, uh, sometime before, I mean, uh, a few weeks ago, already a week or two ago, they were already allowed to sell alcohol like an off sales, like you know, you can buy your alcohol and leave. So, yes, what, no, what so no now on, you, no might, on, you can eat, but you can leave with your alcohol,
2: no, no, no on site mm-hmm. consumption of alcohol,
1: but, but you can out- buy it and you, um, you can go drink in the car.
2: No, but uh, <laughs> restaurants aren't off-sales, so uh, <laughs> I, I doubt whether they allow you to bring your, your own alcohol to, to a restaurant.
1: No, no no, um, I'm, I'm, no, no, I'm saying previously you had a situation where restaurants were allowed to sell alcohol, but people couldn't drink it on site.
2: Yes, but remember, uh, I think they were, the, the, the allowance was you had to sell them at the same price as the off-sale price um, and that takes away a large percentage of the market. Oh,
1: I see. Okay, so of course there's no profitability in that thing.
2: Correct. Correct. Okay. Uh, so, that's, so that's a central issue. Uh, that's where, where the restaurant industry is concerned. So I think that issue remains for them. And, so, and you're talking about the realization of, levels of enhanced regulations. Um, of course, uh, cinemas are now reopened. You okay. can have 50 people or less allowed. Mm. Uh, in cinemas, theatres are uh, uh, reopened, personal care services, um, uh, auctions, mm. casinos. Even uh, casinos. Uh, yeah, so, up, up to 50% capacity, of course. Okay. And all these uh, uh, industries or sectors that have reopened are again subject, to, of course, to health and hygiene protocols and guidelines, um, which, which pertain to that particular sector.
1: Mm. So now, uh, with regard, and, 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 and Nazir, just quickly, because I know you've got kids. Um are they, are they allowed to go to school? What's the situation now? What's the current situation?
0: The current situation Iran is, is that from the sixth of July, if I'm that's correct, then yeah. certain various grades will go back. Um if I'm I I d I think it's the the younger grades and up to I think grade six is also included if I'm not mistaken, but there's a certain yeah. amount of grades that will go back. Uh, On the 6th of July And then on the 3rd of August I believe it's back to full swing With everybody that's um, That's kept their children in school Will return to school I know certain schools Are trying to make provisions For for certain like virtual learning And things like that To try and keep the kids at home Mm -hmm. Um, But whether that's going to be implemented Across the board I don't know From a regulatory perspective On the 3rd of August All children should be back at school already
1: 3rd of August Okay, so August, so, yeah, so to my, this is in mm,
0: process. Yeah, As okay. everybody knows, the matrix and the great sevens are back already.
1: But now this flies in the face of the of, of the current thinking. I mean, here yeah, they're saying this thing is going to be for another 18 months, and here yeah, we're saying third of August, which is like a few weeks from now. I mean, isn't there a bit of a? A contradiction in this whole thing.
0: Look, I, I, I think they try to. Sorry, Randall. I think they try to to try. They're trying their best to try and save the, the academic year, um, and and that's the thinking behind it. But if one, if one looks at the statistics as we stand, um, the children are, are picking up infections, the teachers and and uh, are picking up infections. So it, it's, it's 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 there. Uh, I just think the schools are trying their level best to try and and, and contain it. Mm. Okay, Randall, and your take on it? Yeah, remember,
2: the the horse was never going to be kept in the stable. It was Mm -hmm. always going to be let out. Um, The whole purpose of the lockdown regulations was simply to buy government time uh, to get uh, uh, our healthcare system uh, prepared. Mm -hmm. So uh, this this staggered approach, uh, or they call this this risk uh, um, staggered approach, it's designed to, to keep an, a, a, a structured uh, a, a, a reintegration of, of, the, of, of, of people back into the economy. So the, uh, it's, it's a patient's concern and business concerned. There's it, a structure in place. And it's, it's not because that the virus has gone. It's, it's simply uh, structured to allow the healthcare service to, to, uh, to survive. Um, we, we know, of course, uh, from the Minister of Health that uh, we've got, uh, particularly our, uh, in the Western Cape that we've got, we are prepared. We've got, uh, uh, I think, 3,000 beds prepared um, at the convention center. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, all these testing kits uh, that are online, our ventilators. So how the, how the many company. beds is that
1: the convention center?
2: 3,000 beds. 3,000 beds, you and
1: and, and and is it currently being, in, is it in use at the moment?
2: uh uh as of uh, three weeks ago there, there was uh, there was a, i think that the uptake on beds was around ten percent i speak under correction mm-hmm. um, but but it's going to be it's going to be taken up exponentially uh, as the peak as we get to the to the, to the real meat of the peak uh, as it were mm-hmm. so uh, so from that point of view uh, while whilst our economy is is slowly getting kick started again we must also understand that safety remains a huge uh, concern, and the listeners particularly understand that even though the uh, regulations are being relaxed periodically and slowly, the the virus and the risk remains, and it's up to each one to take care uh, of their health insurance.
1: and You know, what concerns me mostly probably is the fact that we are a very sociable community, Cape Town yeah. people, they love their sociability, they love uh, being together, they love eating, they love laughing, and all that type of things. So now, you have a situation where the these sit-down restaurants have been opened again. Of course, they have the, the, the protocols in place where people must have a mask on when they get there, there's sanitization happening, there's one and a half meters apart and uh, but now and of course, they're not having self service buffers, which is what our people really like, you know, they eat as much as you can type of situation, mm-hmm. but now, isn't this gonna be a serious breeding ground for for potential viruses uh, if i
2: simply being on the on the promenade on on the atlantic seaboard is a, is a breeding ground for the viruses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um uh, or even the schools, for that matter, or churches, uh, or the cinemas, uh, exercising uh, auctions. All these industries, all these sectors, are breeding grounds for the virus. And that that we must accept. Mm-hmm. The, the the issue remains that that every person must take care of his personal safety, wearing masks, keeping physical distancing of one point five meters, and washing your hands regularly and sanitizing regularly. I think that that's that's all we can do at this stage, mm-hmm. and and understand that the the, the risk is there. And just uh, live
1: your life accordingly. Okay, I understand that. We're going to take that a little bit further when we come back. We're just going to go for a quick ad break. Please stay on the line.
0: The Legal Hour with Irsan Higgins.
1: And we are back with illegal Legal Hour with uh Randall Titus and uh, Nazir Parker um, going through this quagmire of laws and regulations pertaining to COVID and uh, lockdown. So, um, yeah, where were we? The last, what was was the, the last question, Nazir?
0: Uh, Sean, we were speaking about the fact that we are going to be a bit more relaxed now, opening restaurants, opening casinos. Mm. Yes. And the breeding, the capacity for breeding the virus, the spread of the virus. I just want to get to, to, to
1: some of the legal issues pertaining to people that are conducting restaurant businesses. Now, the restaurant business is definitely not running at capacity. You know, so, in other words, when people embarked. Uh, on this venture to open a restaurant, they of course had a business plan, and of course with that business plan there was numbers, uh, feet of seats uh, on on only you know people coming into the restaurant, um, spend on that particular activity etc. Now you have a situation where governments say, okay you guys can operate again but on limited capacity. Surely this is going to have a massive impact on their ability to pay their rentals. Because now, if your, um, if your potential was 100,000 ran a month, and now suddenly, at the maximum, you can only make 50,000 ran, expen- But your expenses are still the same, when it comes to rental, when it comes to staffing, etc. What now? What is the advice for people that own restaurants?
0: Yes, Sean, I think from my perspective, I I would try and enter into negotiations with the various creditors of my business, such as my landlord, such as my staff. Obviously, in the event that we have some assistance from government that there are, as per the the initial announcements, trying to assist small businesses and any business for that matter that's suffering during lockdown, one would have to factor that in. but. In terms of going back, especially in the restaurant and the hospitality trade, one can't see that numbers going back to its pre-lockdown state, at least I wouldn't say for the next six months or more. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if one looks at that, if 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 you can start being proactive with negotiating with creditors, such as so people have mentioned earlier on, perhaps there's, there's scope there for, for um, some agreement to re- to relax some of the, of the obligations, the financial obligations. Mm. However, uh, one is seeing more and more. I mean, I I've, I I recently um, was in Simonstown Court uh, last week and uh, took a drive through the Fishuk Main Road, and you see all these businesses that used to be there or close all the buildings are to let. So you start seeing these the domino effect of the lockdown. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you know, when you can't you you can't meet your demands, you are faced with either one of two options. Either you voluntarily say, you know what, I'm going to have to close up shop and look for something else or you're gonna possibly be facing a lot of uh, uh, um, Legal proceedings against you from your creditors, who you can even end up in a liquidation
1: application. And Randall, seeing that you yes. old, you deal in that uh, type of business, uh, your comment on that, especially if people can't afford uh, the current uh, business premises all business uh, per se. Yeah,
2: no, Nazir is quite correct. Um, the the lockdown has had a devastating effect on restaurants. Um, I mean, uh, we're reading the media. The the Restaurant Association for Africa, and they think they expect 20 to 30 percent of restaurants never to open their doors again, um, and the, and that's just the, the the hard reality of the lockdown. Um, and even now, with restaurants being opened, uh, but not being allowed to sell for you know, where most of the profit seems to lie, um, it's going to have a similar effect. So, uh, and and, to, and one way of the, I suppose to, to to deal with the uh, the the overhead issues around around those kind of businesses, as you uh, indicated before, is, and as much as you say, it's with uh, 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 entities like a landlord. Mm-hmm. Um, landlords are in the same position, um, and ultimately, if I can give a, 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 a suggestion to to our listeners is is to uh, engage your, your your various creators and, say, and and everyone understands we're all in the same boat and, and try and find a solution where both parties come out the other side.
1: Yeah, because landlords must also realize um, that an empty uh, premises is actually not going to benefit him at all. Correct. Mm. Correct. And, um, okay, so so let's to jump to something else quickly. Randall, I know that you have followed up quite extensively on this Taxi issue. Yes. What is the issue right now with taxis? I mean, have you seen it on the
2: uh, news. It's some frustration. Um, um, the, the, the taxis very much like the restaurants. You know, there's a certain uh, threshold uh, that they require to turn a profit. They, they, their argument to, to the Minister of Transport is that um, carrying seventy percent capacity is not enough. They can't turn a profit. They owe uh, uh, they owe money to the banks on their uh, taxis. Um, and to, to to make money, they, they need to run 100% uh, c- capacity. Um, the government is uh, dug in the yield and said, "No, no, we, we, we certainly the minister, rather um, the 70% rules currently come in force." We called on uh, uh, the taxi associations, uh, South, Af- South in particular, the South African National Taxi Association in particular, to uh, not call on on the members. To uh, take the law into their own hands, he is indicated this morning in a press conference that he is always open, uh, communication lines are open, and that he's called on the taxi association not to take the law into their own hands. Otherwise, they might be forced, uh, 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 or government might be forced rather to, to impose the law.
1: Okay. So, so, so when you say taking the law into your to their own hands, has there been an actual threat by the taxi yes. associations? And
2: and carried out uh, uh, this morning. So what cool. they said is, is we'll, we'll, we'll take to the streets, uh, we'll, we'll make the streets uh, ungovernable. Um, if uh, the threat was that if taxes are impounded because they break the law, they will then uh, 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 occupy the streets and make the streets ungovernable.
1: But now, uh, tell me, what's the current demand? What is the demand at the moment and what's on the table by government?
2: The, the, the demand is... Uh, they, uh, the, the argument is that, well, uh, uh, you've allowed... Um, uh, the air travel, uh, the domestic air travel, to continue. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we, uh, we require uh, interprovincial travel for, for the taxis. We require uh, after to run uh, full capacity uh, on our taxis.
1: Okay, so uh, currently only intra-provincial travel is allowed, and not in, uh, and not and not extra- between provinces.
2: Uh, correct. Uh, quite, okay. Quite sure, quite sure.
1: So, um, so, they uh, want to sorry. actually move. Like, for instance, a taxi one okay. to say, "Listen, I want to drive to the Eastern Cape because that's where my client base is,
2: and that's where the profit lies uh, in, the, in the in the long distance travel okay. and and, run, and running full capacity." But no. So,
1: yeah, but there was another thing. I mean, there was a twenty thousand rand dispute as well. Uh, I mean, uh, what I'm talking about, more than a week ago, it was about what
2: what government say is, is they understand that, that uh, uh, the taxi industry it, 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 I mean, it's the backbone of of the transport industry in South Africa. The mm-hmm. Government offered an excrash a, a, a payment to, to sustain or help sustain uh, or, or, or lessen the pain on taxi owners. Um, then there was a the, uh, the counter argument that, uh, or a misconception that the ex payment was actually part of a fund, uh, or a continuous payment from government. Mm-hmm. Um, and government's position as, as a one off ex Garcia payment. Um, and uh, uh, there's a larger plan at stake uh, for for the taxi industry as a whole. Uh, and the Transit Minister was pains to point out that ultimately what government wants to see is a formalized. Taxi industry, um, uh, which will then invite such a subsidisation uh, by government.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So you, you get you get a formalised industry and you get subsidised by government. and that that, that is uh, uh, in, the, in the planning stages.
1: Okay, so so that is it to do with the taxi industry. Now Nazir just come jumping back to you quickly. Uh, with regard to the courts, I believe there's lots of problems at the moment. Every time you hear, there's a court closed or the deeds office is closed. And, I mean, what's the current status of, of courts?
0: Uh, it's It's exactly that. It's the most unprecedented thing I've ever come across in my time as a practitioner. And, uh, unfortunately, it's extremely difficult to, to maintain touch with everything. In fact, some of the practitioners at Kerekele... Uh, a, a chat on on whatsapp to try and keep track with all these mm-hmm. uh changes of closures and and and, and the like so it 's difficult for for practitioners to at the moment try and carry out mandates especially with regard to demands of clients and time frames and urgency where um several matters are, are open and, and in fact we had a, a week, last week we had a met in Cape Town Magistrates court and we we got the court to close they pos- they picked up a positive COVID case. We were forced to stand outside the building and the magistrate actually came out to try and assist the people in the streets and try to postpone the matters right there outside in the streets. Um, so that's the difficulty that we've got nowadays with practitioners. I think from a criminal perspective, they are trying to keep it as usual, as normal as possible under the circumstances. This is not the criminal but matters criminal matters, yes. The, mm-hmm. the civil cases, though, are not being as fortunate. So even in the High Court last week, uh, registrars were forced to come out into the streets and help the people. Mm. Um, so that's the, that's the reality that we're facing at the moment. It's unprecedented.
1: Yeah, but now the problem is, I mean, especially with regard to, I mean, so Petit Faisal was not on, ch- on, on air tonight, but with regard to the deeds of us, I believe that was also closed.
0: That is, I think they're trying to, there was a notice that came out earlier to say that the deeds office will be opening again tomorrow. Um, it closed as of last weekend, Friday, but uh, as I understand the stats, uh, I think there's about 14,000 backlog deeds at the moment.
1: Oh, my goodness. Okay, but now, of yeah. course, that has a heavy ripple effect on uh, yeah. on everybody. So, nobody gets paid. Lawyers don't get paid. Estate agents don't get paid. Sellers can't get their money. Mm. Uh, buyers can't move into their property. I mean, it just has a massive, massive ripple effect uh, on the economy. Uh, uh,
2: but I think you've found, uh, just to use that term that you used uh, uh, when we started, uh, quagmire. Uh, this mm. is a real legal quagmire. But well, I think for the listeners, benefit uh, the e is light at the end of the tunnel. Okay. What what, what is the lockdown has done? This crisis has forced the courts into the 21st century. Uh, you will find mm-hmm. now that the courts are a more understanding of uh, of, uh, of uh, online uh, the online way of doing business and mm-hmm. uh, using uh, a, a, a platforms such as Steam, the to conduct. Legal matches.
1: Randall, do you find it useful? Because I mean, I, I find it extremely tedious uh, to, to, to to be on uh, on the other side of a computer. I mean, uh, when you're representing someone,
2: it's hard at because we are so in, the, in the infancy of of, of, this, of this particular platform. I've done a, quite a few matches over the last few weeks uh, using, for example, uh, um, the team viewer. As people get get the hang of and get comfortable with with, with, the, with the medium, it will get easier uh, as we go along, and I think that is the way forward and, and probably the future uh, of litigation. Uh, well,
1: that's one positive, but as I say, it still doesn't help uh, the the general public. You know, if they don't have access to basic uh, services by government, especially in justice,
2: now you're quite right. In the short term, it's going to be a challenge. Um, so that's not getting away from that, that mm. unfortunate uh, reality.
1: And the Nazir also the question of uh, of, of the, um, the the litigation uh, documents. I mean, what's happening to that? Are the are, are the courts accepting documents at
0: the moment? Uh again, it's a, it's an extremely new thing that we're involved in now. Um, the the practitioners amongst themselves are by virtue and operation of the rules of court accepting service of pleadings via email. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the filing of that document at court, I mean, certain courts are saying you are allowed to, to email it. Certain courts are saying, no, we still require the hard copies to be delivered. And the High Court has got a set up mm-hmm. there by the security guards to, with a whole lot of boxes there. Where you simply just drop the pleadings in the box and hope to God it's like, <laughs> way into it into the file. Yeah. Uh unfortunately we don't have the, the the luxury of having stamped documents to take back home again as proof. So okay. it's 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 a it's a but you know, I I hope at, at some point in time the Western Cape will, will probably come, become more uh efficient in terms of the, the opera the operations of the of the core systems. Because Victoria and Gauteng is using this beautiful thing called case lines. That they um, that they are using as a database for all um, documents that yeah. must be filed and issued and things okay. like that.
1: gentlemen. We're going to have to leave it there. Uh, for we, we we let's let's agree that we have what we call this legal quagmire, and <laughs> that we must navigate through this quagmire. And of course, uh, we have people like yourselves that we can ask questions, and uh, of course, it gets answered. And at least there's a little bit of understanding by the public as to what is currently happening, uh, especially those people that don't have access to people that can explain to them at home what is happening out there. So, shukran very much. Thank you very much, Randall, for coming on. Uh, it's, uh, it's already late, so thank you very much, and we hope to see you soon again. Thank you, sir. Thanks, and Nazir, shukran very much to you as well, and uh, we say to you. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Okay, so from my side, I see Mr. Yusuf has come in and uh, he's looking as uh, dashing as ever with his mask on. Um, so uh, yeah, so he's gonna be joining uh, the the listeners very very soon. I just want to say to those people that uh, that sent me messages, uh, okay. I explained my 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 domchit earlier on with regard to my own computer and uh, and. Uh, and the keyboard of the studio, so those people are welcome to contact um, the Legal Cafe and with their questions on 082 double three six three double seven eight. The number O eight three six three double seven eight. They're very welcome to send their questions. If I can answer it, or if one of the lawyers can answer it via WhatsApp they will do that if not and it's more complicated then we're going to ask you you can make, pay the legal cafe a visit so the number three double seven eight. so from my side shukran to everybody to the listeners for allowing us to serve this public and uh, we say until we see you next week inshallah assalamualaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh
0: The Legal Hour with Ihsan Higgins The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM
2: Stereo.